0: Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. There is a debate ongoing nationally as to whether transgender women should be allowed to participate in women's sports. That debate has arrived in Utah in a recent legislative session. House Bill 11 passed. That bill, sponsored by Representative Kira Berkland, Republican from Morgan, bans transgender individuals from participating in girls' high school sports. Governor Spencer Cox vetoed that bill. The legislature then convened in special session to override the governor's veto. And uh, that's where we stand now. Um, And uh, later in the program, we'll be talking with Olivia Jaramillo from Equality Utah Transgender Advisory Council. Right now, we bring in Representative Kira Berkland. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hi, thank you.
0: And we also bring in Representative Cheryl Acton, Republican from West Jordan, a co-sponsor of House Bill 11. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Thanks to both of you for taking time uh, to be with us. Uh, Let me start with you, Representative Berkland. What does House Bill 11 do?
1: Thank you for the question. So what House Bill 11 does, it says that out of the 24 activities under the High School Activity Association umbrella, five of them are single-sex women's-only categories, and those five will be for those who were born biologically female. The other 19 activities are for any and all kids.
0: Um, so, uh, how did you come to this? What are your concerns?
1: So it was actually, um, several years ago, I was officiating some high school, um, summer ball and I had several parents come and talk to me. One was a parent that had a transgender child that was going to be coming into high school sports in a few years. And a few were parents who had kids who had played against transgender kids. Um, and they just kind of were talking about what's the state's policy, what's going to happen, what should be happening. We had just kind of just basic dialogue of what's going on in our state and what, what we want to see going forward. Um, and that got me thinking, man, we, we just don't have a, a clear, great process for this issue.
0: Um, what is your—well, let me, let me, before I go to that, let me uh, ask uh, Representative Acton, what, um, what, what are your concerns? Uh, why did you co-sponsor the bill?
2: Well, I co-sponsored the bill for the level playing field that's often talked about, but also um, it's just an issue that it needs to be resolved before we have a Leah Thomas sort of situation um, in Utah where um, it it becomes even more contentious.
0: This is the this is the swimmer trans swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania.
2: Yes. Yeah. But. Um, Co-sponsoring—it's—it's really kind of in reaction for me. It was a lot about Title IX, just the—the idea that women's sports have come so far, um, and—and I want to continue in that vein, you know, to allow young women the opportunity to participate. Now, there's one thing that I—that kind of in every news report I've heard is inaccurate, and that is that—that it bans participation. It's not banning participation, it's banning competition. And there is a, a huge difference there, for me anyway.
0: So that uh, trans girls could uh, participate in, I guess, uh, uh, what? Um,
2: uh, everything short of the actual
0: competition.
2: Yeah.
1: Any Any games that aren't going to be, you know, based on a record. Obviously, you know, if it's... Um, track and field, any kind of open track, you know, where there's it's more of an expedition game where people are there to watch and, and you know cheer them on. But anytime when it, the record's going to be kept, when it's when it's obvious that this is for competition. If if it's basketball, um, there's tons of you know practice opportunities. Being a team manager, there's the opportunities um, of you know just playing in, in just some of the freshman games or scrimmages. It's just when there's going to be the winner and the loser. That's when we need to make sure the playing field for those women is even and fair.
0: Uh, Representative Berkland, uh, what's your response to the governor? He, uh, In his veto letter, he noted 75,000 kids participate in sports, Utah high school sports, four of them openly transgender, one plays on a girls team. He, he's, he's implying here that uh, this is a solution in, in search of a problem.
1: Well, that's really funny and interesting um, for me personally, because last year, in 2021, I brought the bill forward. And there were no children who were actively, openly participating through going through the High School Activity Association policy. And at that time, there isn't a kid, is what the narrative was. There's no kids that are, you know, openly going through the Activity Association policy. So we're in, in a, you know, have a solution in search of a problem. This year, there's four and we still have a solution in search of a problem, they claim. When is it going to be an actual problem? When there's 10 kids? And, and do we really as state leaders want to wait until there's 10 or 20 kids and say, hey, now we're going to step up and do something? Or no, because then we won't want to do that because then there's too many kids and it hurts too many kids. And I think for me, the focus has been all wrong. You know, having been a foster parent for years, we never took a, a negative approach when, when working with kids who are struggling with their life situation. We never said, "Your parents aren't good enough, and they won't, they can't keep you in their home, or they don't want you." Like that is dangerous, very, you know, inappropriate conversations. And I hear this a lot with this, this topic of, of transgender participation. We're talking about five activities, and instead of focusing and highlighting on the fact that you can play and participate in all 24. But for those five single sex, you're welcome to participate, but you won't get to compete because that's how we keep things fair and balanced. The way that people are discussing this, I think, is a very dangerous um, discussion to be had. You know, of those four kids, three to four of them are still playing on girls' teams. Three to four of them. Even the, even the girls who are transitioning to boy who are taking testosterone, they're still playing on girls' teams which, again, is an unfair advantage for those girls. We have a lot we need to work on in this area. This bill was just one step in that direction. Um, when we talk about the numbers, it's not about the numbers to me. There are more than four kids who have who are transitioning and playing high school sports. But for the sake of argument, let's say it's only the four. It only took one swimmer at UPenn, one runner in Connecticut, it takes one who can completely disrupt and and move a child, a girl, from a winning position.
0: Uh, let me turn to uh, Representative Acton. Um, this, uh, I'll quote uh, Troy Williams from Equality Utah. He he uh, cites principle of, of uh, fairness and inclusion. Do you do you feel like House Bill Eleven threads that needle?
2: I do because as we as we've discussed the participation aspect, and I totally understand why a trans girl would want to participate with cis girls, you know, in a sporting scenario, but um, that is fully uh, an option. I mean, they can always participate until when it's time for competition, um, a trans girl would have to compete against someone of her birth gender, which would be, and if that's, untenable, then um, participation would be the limit. But if they want to compete, there's still that option as well through their birth gender competition.
0: Mm. Representative Berkland, earlier iterations understand had a commission. Does this uh, does this bill still have a commission?
1: It does still have a commission, yes.
0: Uh, uh, tell me what the commission would do.
1: So if, if the courts, if someone were to litigate this and take it to, you know, bring up a lawsuit, and it goes to the courts, and the courts um, enjoin it, meaning we can't enact it, or the courts just completely strike it down as unconstitutional. That is when the commission will come into play. And that commission will look at every transgender youth who wants to participate, and they will be taking in with, with medical and scientific data, will we create an unfair playing field? Will we create an unsafe playing field for, for either the you know, transgender student-athlete or the other student-athletes? Um, it'll take into consideration where they're at in their, in their transition process, their mental health, and they will consider the safety and mental health of those they will be competing with. And so it'll just take a, a really, I feel like, medically driven approach to what is fair, what is balanced, and what is safe.
0: Because opponents are saying that, the, that this commission would only kick in uh, if, um, if there's a lawsuit, right? Correct. Uh, wh- why did you set it up that way?
1: Well, because ultimately in so many of the states, uh, I think there's 11 or 12 that has passed legislation. When it goes to the courts, should it go to the courts in those states, what has happened then in that time frame when it gets enjoined or the courts strike it down and it's still going through that process, those states aren't able to have anything uh, in place to preserve the integrity of women's sports. And so in a lot of those states and talking to the, the legislators there, they're having issues with um, you know a lot of transgender kids coming in and playing and there's just a little disruption that's creating actually more tension um, and anger over the issue of transgender sports participation. And so we feel like we really want to keep that stifled down so that if it's being litigated, we still have safety guards in place.
0: Hmm. I want to return to commission just a minute. Uh, Representative Acton, uh, the governor in his veto cited uh, liability from uh, districts and the Utah high school sports association um that uh, that they'd you know a lot of a lot of money would be on the line and uh perhaps they uh, would be uh, you know uh, unable to uh, defend a, a, in a lawsuit
2: yes and that's why we did go into special session Um he called us in the special session and we passed hb 3001 but you know utah has always looked down the road at um things that are coming, things that are, are going to become a problem, and that's one reason for our success in many areas as a well-managed state and so forth. And so anticipating that, um, you know, there could be a potential problem, although there already may exist a, a problem with this, that's one reason this bill needed to be brought. And it was actually brought last year as well. But um, And sometimes it takes a couple of years to pass through and get, work out all the kinks.
0: Groups Berkland. um, so, uh, you know, say we go through the process, lawsuits, everything gets resolved, the commission kicks in, then, um, th- th- maybe explain that a little further, what uh, this, this would not then become a outright ban that the, that, uh, athlete, trans athletes would then go to the commission?
2: Yes, it
1: wouldn't, it wouldn't become an outright ban. It would be based upon, um fairness and safety, which is something that I believe Title IX was created for in the beginning. And so, frankly, I feel like uh, when it comes to the commission piece, it's it's pretty stand-up. It'll stand up very well in court um, because it takes in consideration the even playing field that Title IX was created for. It takes in safety, and it also just makes sure that there is a path, particularly for those kids who um, are were born intersex. Uh, and so, Frankly, a lot of those kids are getting lumped into being transgender, um, but really, what they have here is, it, is just a medical difference in their body versus transgender athletes who, biologically in every way, are you know males who've gone through male puberty who now want to transition to girl. And a lot of the intersex kids um, that I've spoken to, their you know sexual identity just was not clear and, and, and pronounced at birth. Um, so for, especially for those kids, the commission will help them navigate this process in a way so when they show up, when they compete, everyone is comfortable and confident that they belong there, that this is safe, this is fair. And not only will the girls have a better experience, but those transgender girls or those intersex kids, they will have a far greater experience because people will have um, know that there's a sense of belonging because there's a sense of you went through a process that I know makes sure that it is fair and this is right.
0: Mm. Um, so I know you've addressed this, maybe just to reiterate, uh, why not institute the commission just right off the bat?
1: You know, unfortunately, we worked very long and hard on so many different solutions. Um, in some working meetings we had, some working groups and parent meetings, ultimately, there was not a consensus on what was a fair and right path forward. We could not get anybody to come to the table in support, not on the you know, Republican you know, conservative side, not with the ACLU or quality Utah. We just couldn't get support for just the commission. And so when the senators, I believe, and I wasn't in their caucus and, and I'm not privileged to what the Senate caucus has, but my understanding is they realized that, you know, just the commission as it is, isn't supported by anyone in our state. And we're talking about a very heavy issue of a ban versus a commission, right? And so they, they thoughtfully considered this and they came back and, and talked with me and Ultimately, without, a, without support, the commission was not going to be successful, and it's just not right when it comes down to it to put this on the backs of our girls, to say, you know, no one loves the commission. The commission is a good process, but it doesn't make sense to you guys right now, but we're going to go ahead with it. No, I, I appreciate that the Senate said, you know what? We're going to do what the majority of the people of our state want. Um, they came to me, they asked if I can support that. I said, absolutely, if that's what the Senate wants and that's what we, you know, we can get done, let's get it done. Uh, we've got to stand up for, for the 35,000 girls in our state who just want a fair playing field.
0: Hmm. Representative Acton, I wonder, you know, some people are saying that, well, that UHSAA already has some rules in place. Uh, it is not just uh, free-for-all, uh, a transgender girl has to have gone, I think, through at least one year of uh, transition hormone therapy, et cetera.
2: Yeah, I've never been fond of that solution because um, for a large percentage, not all, but a a great percentage of trans youth will actually decide to detransition as they reach adulthood. And to make a permanent or um, more physiological change, I think is is problematic.
0: Uh, what What's your view on that, uh, Representative Berklin? You uh, You know, you've I think you're a referee for high school basketball, for example.
1: Yes, I, I appreciate high school basketball and football, and and I I would agree. Re- re- representative act in and even the ACLU Equality of Utah during our negotiations did not love the idea of pushing kids into any kind of therapy and medical treatments just to play high school sports. Um, and number two on that is, you know, I have so much respect and appreciation for the high school activity association. They've, they're fantastic people doing great work. It's it's needed in our state. They mirrored their policy based on the NCAA's policy and the NCAA recently changed that policy. And, And in 2021, I spoke to that. I said, you know, the Olympics is going to change their policy. NCAA is talking about changing their policy. We don't want to stick with the policy that other organizations you know, well knowledgeable, skilled organizations are saying, just don't actually measure up and do what what we need to be done. And so that's when we went with the commission realizing that, you know, the NCAA was going off more of a sport by sport. And that's what the commission considers, is a sport by sport. Is there an athletic advantage? Is there going to be any kind of, you know, you know, danger for people, particularly thinking of women's soccer when they, you know, run into each other a lot, a lot of side tackles, those types of things, we've got to take safety into consideration. Um, And and a year of hormone therapy, just there's no scientific medical data that proves that just a simple year of hormone therapy and and what kind of hormone therapy do we even know is that going to be? Does that mean that they're just going to take estrogen or are they going to take something to actually reduce the testosterone? We don't have that knowledge. That's, That's something that the NCAA struggled with in the case of Leah Thomas out at UPenn. There's just too many variables to say, in my opinion, that their policy is the right policy for not just the cisgender girls in our state, but even the transgender kids in our state.
0: Mm. Um, let me start with this with uh, Representative Acton, but I want to get uh, Representative Berkland's, uh response as well. The governor, uh, as a part of his veto letter, uh, he decided to worry about um, transgender youth and high suicidality. Uh, 86% of transgender youth reported suicidality. That's a 2020 study. 56% of them reported a suicide attempt. And uh, he's saying the governor is saying that uh, if you, you know, a ban uh, just just per- potentially exacerbates the problem. Uh, Representative Acton, first, what you, what's your response?
2: Well, again, I would question the term "ban" because participation is an option, and even competition is always an option. Um, but so that I have a problem with. But also. Um, I, the only people speaking of hate about this would be trans activists. I haven't heard from from an actual trans youth who um, is is talking about the hate or feeling the hate or sensing hate when it's about sports. I mean, Caitlin Jenner um, understands the need for a, a level playing field, and that's what sports is based upon as a level playing field. So it's it's a different matter altogether and something that I think anyone can understand.
0: Representative Berkeley, I want to get your response as well to this, this idea.
1: Yes, I appreciate that. So I, I think anytime anyone's struggling with suicide um, thoughts and, and feelings, we need to get them help. We need to be there to support them and help them through the difficult time they're going through. It's so unfortunate that we have so many youth in our state who are struggling. However, the legislature has done a ton to reduce our, our suicide rates and just a number of calls even, we're seeing that they're going down through the efforts we've made. But most importantly, and I want to be very direct and, and thoughtful when I say this, there is a lot of virtue signaling on this issue. People who are out there saying the Utah legislature isn't welcoming you, but you're welcome here with me. These are individuals who want to stand up and be, be these wonderful, great people who claim that they love and care for transgender kids, and they do so by telling these kids that the legislature and all these people who support House Bill 11, they don't love you, they don't like you, we, they don't want you here. And that's not the case at all. They're trying to virtue signal, and it's very dangerous, and it's extremely inappropriate to see this happening because the legislature didn't run any bill out of hate or because we don't care about these kids. We did it because we actually know that this will create a better process for the cisgender girls and the transgender athletes. We can bring down the temperature on this issue. We can make sure that the playing field is even and fair and that we can give these kids opportunities. There's 19 other activities that they can fully participate in. And I don't think that we're going to have an issue with kids feeling unwelcome because five activities they won't be able to compete in, especially if, as adults in the state, we take the opportunity to speak compassionately towards these kids and not use it as an opportunity to grandstand or virtue sling.
0: Uh, I want to direct this first to Representative Berklin. I want to get to Representative Acton's uh, take on this as well. Uh, it, It follows up what you were just saying. Uh, some will say, and some are saying, that uh, you know, just leave sports aside that this is uh, this is the legislature uh, signaling, you know, the opposition to uh, to to the idea of transgender in general. What would you say to that?
1: Well, you know, the reality is is the sports are being paid for with tax dollars. This is our proper role of government to get involved in issues where tax dollars are being spent. But also, um, anytime someone's liberty is in jeopardy, and I do believe that when someone comes in, they've gone through male puberty, now they transition to female, and they start competing against girls. They actually truly are creating taking away opportunities and freedoms from girls who were born biologically identified <coughs> as female throughout their whole life. And we need to stand up for those freedoms. We need to stand up for our our young women across the state. This is not us signaling anything other than there's an issue. We're leaders of our state. Let's solve the problem. Um, I think it's important that we take issues like this into serious consideration. And we did for almost two years deliberate how to best address the situation. Um, How can we create something that is, you know, can be appreciated and respect all people. And I believe that's the policy we came up with. So I, I ultimately... Want people to know that we did create an opportunity that allows for participation of transgender youth and shows them compassion, but not at the at the cost of the girls of our state. We won't let that happen to women in our state.
0: Representative Acton, the same question: What what signal are you trying to give with this with this bill? If uh, if any, what uh, what would you like people to uh, think of this bill?
2: Well. I think it's a wonderful bill, and I think it's wonderful for all girls, trans girls and cis girls, because it does clarify, and we needed clarity. We've already seen an NCAA Division One champion um, from the trans girl community, and, and that's problematic for all of the girls um, who are cis girls. But there are also other things on the line, scholarships, records, the thrill of victory recognition, medals, uh, glory in sports, all of these things can be threatened by an unlevel playing field. And, you know, women and have throughout millennia have been asked to step aside, but with Title IX in the early 70s, we have finally been able to teach our daughters they don't need to step aside. But to tell them now um, that they need to step aside is, It seems like a step backwards. And that's why, and that's something that I think trans girls will understand as well and do understand more than we think. I think everyone understands the concept of the level playing field.
0: Representative Birkeland, we're running to come down the end of time here. Um, Representative Birkeland, uh, what's the likeliest outcome here? Lawsuit, I guess, very likely.
1: lawsuit is likely should there be a transgender athlete who who feels that this has um, some way discriminated against them however i would i think that they'll have a hard time uh, making that case in court we haven't seen any courts um, rule this as just an unconstitutional action there is nothing um, in the constitution that gives any any youth a right to play high school sports Um, and so you know, it'll be interesting to watch. I don't think that it's a sure slam dunk that this will be litigated against, and I don't think if it is litigated against that it'll be ruled unconstitutional. However, should that happen, I think we'll have a good common sense commission to take its place.
0: And again, to, just to be clear, uh, we'd have to have a successful lawsuit court challenge uh, for the commission to kick in?
1: Or, or an enjoining. It's a court's or an enjoining, enjoin- Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah
0: um uh, representative acton um what uh, what do you what, what will you be looking for especially as this issue goes forward
2: uh fairness which i think is why the bill was brought in the first place and just a fair scene, scenario and and also i i hope that trans girls will participate in sports with cis girls it's the competition that becomes the problem
0: very good. We'll uh, we'll leave it there. Um, we appreciate uh, Representative Kerry Berkland, uh, who's the sponsor of House Bill 11, uh, for being with us. Thank you, Representative Berkland. Thank you. And Representative Cheryl Acton has been with us as well, a co sponsor of the bill. Appreciate it. Thank you. We'll continue our discussion following a break, and uh, we'll have a very likely uh, different viewpoint. Um, from Olivia Jaramillo, uh, who is the Equality Utah Trans, on the Equality Utah Transgender Advisory Council. Uh, She'll be joining us following the break. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. There's a debate, as you know, ongoing nationally as to whether transgender women should be allowed to participate in women's sports. And that debate has arrived in Utah. In the recent legislative session, House Bill 11 passed. That bill, sponsored by Representative Kira Berkland, a Republican from Morgan, bans transgender individuals from participating in girls' high school sports. Governor Spencer Cox vetoed the bill, and the legislature then convened in special session to override the governor's veto. That's where we are now. Earlier in the program, we talked with the bill sponsor, Representative Berkeley. We also talked with a co-sponsor, Representative Cheryl Acton. Uh, Right now, we turn to Olivia Jaramillo from the Equality Utah Transgender Advisory Council. Um, Hopefully. Olivia Jaramillo, are you there?
3: Hi, I'm here, yes. Uh, Okay, I heard you. And let me introduce myself. I'm the Director of Public Outreach for Equality Utah.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. I'm hearing a uh, dial tone in the background there, maybe... My producer can get rid of that uh, that dial tone. Um, so am, I, am I saying your name correctly? Yes, you are.
3: Thank uh, you so much.
0: Oh, okay. I, I
3: think you speak a little Spanish, uh, don't a, you, a, little,
0: <laughs> a little Spanish, yes. <laughs> I want to read a bit of your bio. Um, you're uh, born and raised in Mexico, um, retired U.S. Air Force veteran, uh, where you served tours in Iraq, yes. uh, Europe, and humanitarian missions to Africa. Uh, 2016, you note that you were the one of the first individuals nationwide to legally change uh, your name and gender marker while still serving on active duty. Uh, maybe tell me briefly about that. Was that I don't know? Was that traumatic, or by that time was it okay?
3: Yeah, and uh, let me add one more thing. I was I was um, I had the honor of serving with people in, in Iraq as well uh, when we first. When that conflict was happening, and I have a lot of respect for veterans, just in general, and even for our our heroes still on active duty. So, and you know, you know, what's one thing that really surprised me about my entire transition is that we there were fears from we would hear on the media, really, but in internally, in, in, inside, uh, I received nothing but love and support um, from up and down my chain of command. And I think it's because they had I had already set a precedent for my for my professionalism, for my enforcement of standards and conduct and dress and appearance and everything that you would expect from a military member. They they noticed that wow, you know what, there's there's really no difference. And it gave me the ability to start actually advocating, bringing awareness to a, an incredibly small community that the transgender community is in general. And it was, it was a tremendous experience to be able to serve and, and still be able to transition. Uh,
0: so you transitioned uh, as an adult, but I, I don't know uh, what your feelings were in, in high yeah. school. Of course, we're talking about high school sports here. What, uh, w- what were your experiences in high school?
3: Well, yeah, I've always, you know, I was, like, like uh, you mentioned, I was born in Mexico. I, and you can imagine, in, in mid-80s, in central Mexico, conservative Catholic family, no internet, no access to any information whatsoever. I really had no idea what it was that I was feeling. Um, so it was very difficult to kind of act upon it. Um, and, but my experiences in high school, once I immigrated, um, it, it was, you know, I, I experienced high school from from a male perspective, and I, back then in that environment, you know, it, I didn't even, I didn't even consider really transitioning because I, you did hear a lot of, there was just so much negative uh, rhetoric about the transgender community that, we back then we were labeled in such terrible ways, you know, as all we were were prostitutes and strippers, like just the worst thing you could think about. If you see an episode of Law and Order. That what normally happens to a trans woman. You know, they get murdered because they're a prostitute. Like that kind of, that was the culture around what people perceived of the transgender community. It was very difficult to, to even start thinking, yeah, let me step into that world. <laughs> so it, I think the Internet has been a big game changer for all of us. And I mean for us in the trans community that we've been able to arm ourselves with information and we have been able to educate others and bring awareness for our community.
0: I want to jump into House bill 11 I assume you have concerns about this what are your concerns
3: <laughs> well you know like before we, I know I do have concerns of course I do <laughs> but uh, the first thing I want to do is I want to thank governor Cox because he he gave a master class in in moral courage uh, with, with the with that veto regardless of it being overwritten he placed children before politics regardless of when it, any politicians what any other politician says even the ones he previously had on, uh, he has literally walked the walk when it comes to his politics. Uh,
0: yeah, he in his letter, he said, uh, we, we need to consult with the trans community, right? We need to talk to transgender kids. And, and he felt right. the legislature and, and, had not done enough of that.
3: Right. And, you know, Utah had set a precedent already, something that Uh, uh, The president of the Senate, Stuart Adams, had mentioned so much and was so proud about the Utah Way, uh, where we find solutions when when we work together. But this has – we are still very much wanting to come to the table, and we always will. But we want to be able to get back to what the Utah Way really means and what it really is looking to achieve. And and that is really what, what we want to see.
0: Uh Governor Cox um one of the arguments he put forward I want to get your response to this. He said there's 75,000 kids playing sports. There are four transgender kids um you know in in sports. He he he's indicating we <laughs> it's not that big of an issue at least at this point. Yeah, and
3: and I think it's uh... A lot of the reasons we see this, it's, it's again, I mean, the Internet, even though it's been so incredibly helpful for, for the trans community to get connected, to be able to receive proper mental health and proper medications without having to receive anything illegally or anything like that, it's also been a game changer in terms of how we are attacked And how the fear that is spread about the trans community and the Internet has also played a part in that. Uh, A lot of what we see from conservative uh, channels is they do try to attack these kids and make them into monsters. And when you meet these trans kids, if you've ever met a trans child, a trans youth, they're not what you see on TV. That that is, Those are extreme examples. What you see in front of you is literally just a high school teenager trying to go to school. Trying to play sports, trying to hang out with their friends, trying to just live as close to a normal life as they possibly can.
0: Uh, of course, um, often cited is Leah Thomas, the trans swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania. That case, and you know, it appears to be an outlier, but highlights an issue of uh, what some would call unfairness. Uh, you know, uh, creating records and yeah, lapping yeah. the field, and, and you know.
3: And you know, I think we use uh, when when the news of leah thomas broke out and we saw this i don't know this fear coming from the state legislature this fear coming from the sponsor it was i mean this is really why we wanted a policy in place we wanted a policy that would allow trans young trans girls to be able to say you know what i can participate if i want to participate and it would allow them to properly integrate their transition their their medical transition their mental health transition into sports at a younger age before you know we get into the science of it before puberty really starts taking over their bodies and really starts uh, you know having the full effect that we see with Leah Thomas. Another thing with Leah Thomas that of course does not get talked a lot about is that she's from Texas. Uh, her family was not very supportive then of a transition. She wanted to leave. A, she wanted to lead a normal life. So she was trying to distract herself with sports she just happened to be a very good swimmer and regardless of what people say that she wasn't the the best swimmer uh, amongst men she was still a collegiate swimmer and and it takes skill it takes a a certain level of skill to be able to do that so she just from the get-go just like you said she was an outlier she was not your normal athlete so it's it's so interesting when people bring bring this up with Leah Thomas, because, yes, she is the outlier, and she is the reason why having a policy in place would ensure that trans girls are able to participate, are able to integrate their transition, and be able to participate in sports fairly with other cisgender girls.
0: What does uh, what a good system then look like? Does it, is, it, is it this commission that's uh, being proposed by House Bill 11, which... Uh, I guess we'd, we could we'd address that later, the, the fact that it only kicks in if there's a successful lawsuit. But uh, wh- what do you think about the commission itself?
3: Well, you know, even before the commission, if we look at what was in place before, um, it really was not a bad policy. It was an attempt. It was a very good attempt. Uh, there were fears that it was not being followed. And I think we should put that onus more on the High School Athletics Association, really, that they need to enforce their policy. We at Equality Utah, we were supportive of that policy being endorsed, while we do not want any sort of extra hurdles for the transgender community, this was something that was already in place, and it was just being poorly enforced. If we had made strides to first start start at the very lowest level, let's let's really enforce this policy, and let's see where this takes us. Because again, it was only four athletes, and out of those four athletes, it was one trans woman, one trans girl. I'm not going to say woman, one trans girl. If we had started at that lowest level, we could have seen what we had to do. And if we had to enforce with other things or really take up a bill and, and, and make this a, a state issue, we could have done that. Um, but we, we, we have to understand that this bill was not something that Kara Birkland wrote. This was something that was given to her, uh, and it's, 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 it's channeled and, and funded by uh, other interested parties.
0: So you're you're uh, you're saying that outside parties are coming in. Um, what does that mean? Do you think this is is this just uh, an anti-trans bill, or, or is this really a focus on because the sponsors, uh, Representative and Representative Acton, um, you know, they were they were telling me in the first half hour this is focused on focused on the on the girls, focused on the sports.
3: Right, and you know, it's uh, it took uh, for one part. We are very thankful. I'm very thankful to Kara Birkeland that. She did come to the table. She 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 sat with us for 14, 15 months, and we educated her on the proper terms and concepts with, within the LGBTQ community, specifically for the for the trans community. She was very open to learning that. I do thank her for that. Um, but I still remember my initial meeting with her. We we didn't have we knew that this was going to happen. There was going to be a bill where that looked to ban trans girls from playing sports. When uh, we went and met with her, we, we didn't have any of the wording in front of us. And we, we didn't really have an ability to talk about this bill because
0: she still hadn't
3: seen it herself. So it, it, it just it just goes to show you that from that point, it, this is something that is given to them. This is something that was given to other representatives around the country as well. And that, that also started this whole process of banning transgender girls. And what we really want to get down to it is that regardless of fairness, regardless of sports, regardless of anything, we're talking about human beings. And no human being should ever feel that their existence, that any part of their existence needs to be
0: banned. I want to have you expand on, Governor, what Governor Cox said, uh, maybe the most impactful part of his letter, the veto letter. He cited a 2020 study, said that 86% of transgender youth have reported suicidality, 56% of them have reported suicide attempt. He he wanted to say these kids are just trying to stay alive. His concern um, is that uh, you you, you put in a ban, then that sends a certain message to trans kids, and it just worsens a problem that's already there.
3: I think it sends an even bigger message. You send a message not just for these trans kids. You're talking about the entire transgender community. You're talking about with this bill being passed. I mean, the fact that the state legislature went ahead, spent more taxpayer money just to convene again, just to override the veto. This is this is justifying people's fears to the transgender community. This is justifying that, you know what, whatever it is that they were perceiving on their own, like, yes, they're monsters, whatever it is that they thought, this is justifying their fears. And we—that that is what we fear. We, we fear this sending the wrong message, not just to... The state, this is sending the wrong message around the entire country, that this community, this incredibly small community of, of people that are already marginalized, that are already targeted in so many other ways, now by in-placing this ban, you're saying you're saying that they don't deserve to be among us. And even for myself, uh, even though it doesn't directly affect me because I'm not in high school, I'm not playing sports just the fact that our existence is being debated, that it's constantly being debated. We are constantly on the table when we have so many other things to worry about. We can talk about, you know, tax reform. We can talk about so many other things that really affect Utah and would be better to spend taxpayer money on. But no, we have to talk about trans girls. Of
0: course, this is uh, happening in various states around the country at various stages. Um what do you think that is saying, that these these bills are cropping up in various states? I, I think,
3: I, honestly, you know what I like to think? It's not about who's winning or losing. The fact that the LGBTQ community in, in general, just around the world, really, even though there's still so many places that uh, don't provide uh, proper legal equality, legal protections for the LGBTQ community, this is just showing you that we are making progress, and those outliers that believe the lgbtq community does not deserve any rights or protection they're starting to push back harder just because they're seeing that once we are educating people with proper knowledge we're actually turning hearts and minds around and and i think that is what we are seeing right now and and i really hope that we can actually get to a different point with this specific issue with trans girls in sports here in the state of utah I know it's, if people ever have any questions about this, we are always open to talking to meeting people right in the middle and finding that common ground.
0: Um, What do you think the likely outcome here, lawsuit likely?
3: (laughs) You know, I I believe that that is going to happen. This is something that, uh, uh, you know, we've seen in every single state. Um, There's no reason why it won't happen here in Utah.
0: I want to uh, broaden the discussion a little bit uh, here um, and ask you about this high suicide rate among transgender youth. What What is being done? What can be done? What should be done?
3: You, you know, one of the biggest things that drives uh, suicide is, is the lack. It's not even the lack of understanding. It's the lack of, of individuals not even trying to understand or kind of make a trans person middle of the road. It's such an extreme unique experience to be part of the transgender community and to, to realize that you are transgender. It is, it, it is such an extreme experience. And one of the biggest things that, and we've seen from several studies, but even the Trevor project just put out one of the latest ones when, when uh, especially with youth, whenever they do have uh, an accepting and loving home and accepting and loving core family, that says, you know what, we may not understand everything that is happening, but we love you and we're willing to explore this with you. You see that suicide rate, those depression, anxiety symptoms, almost completely lessened down by, I forget the, cor- the correct statistic from the Trevor Project, but um, you, you see a drastic drop in, in, in that depression, anxiety, that suicidality but when we don't and when we are constantly seeing this on the news we're seeing, seeing this on our social media feeds and you see people react with such hate and so much of this hate is really justified by the bills like the one that Kira Berkman put forward, it really starts increasing that feeling of angst amongst the community, among kids who just want to go to school, among adults who just want to transition, be who they are and still go to work still have a family, still do all of the things that any other person does. It it is such an issue right now, especially with our country, with all of these bills just propagating negativity to the trans community. And the biggest thing that I would encourage everybody is, if you know somebody that is transgender in your life, ask honest questions, not curious ones. Ask honest questions about, hey, would you mind telling me about your transition? I would love to learn about it. We are always more than happy to share our experience.
0: Well, um, what's been your experience? Uh, you know, we don't have time for your, <laughs> all of your experience, but what, <laughs> uh, give me give us some highlights. What have been some difficulties uh, as a trans person?
3: Oh, you know, it, it has been, even in the military, though I did receive so much love and support, I, I could tell that it was, um, I had to prove myself over again. And I already had to do that as an immigrant. I already had to do that as a person of color, but Um, I had to prove myself all over again in in many ways. And even once I I, uh, retired from the Air Force and I started going into politics, I started noticing that, yes, if there are 10 hurdles for some individuals, there are 20 hurdles for women, there are 50 hurdles for a transgender person. So you, you start noticing these things that you start wondering, you know, why are there so many hurdles? Why do I have to prove myself so much just to be treated equally? And that is; those are some of the things that I've noticed. But I ha- always, I've always been a person that I, I do want to be at the front. I do want to be educating individuals. It's okay if, if people think whatever they want to think about me personally. But I want to start changing hearts and minds. That's been my experience. Uh,
0: well, I have you. I want to ask you about uh, Florida's bill, the don't, uh, so-called "Don't Say Gay" bill, House Bill fifteen fifty seven, parental rights and education bill. This would, um, uh, you know, this would restrict teaching about uh, LGBTQ issues I think right uh, there would be put some restrictions in place what what do you think
3: yeah i mean that is something that we we, we had here in Utah previously where uh, we weren't allowed to speak about the LGBTQ community we weren't allowed to talk about homosexuality in the classroom uh, you know during uh, health class or anything about that uh, and that is something that we actually saw overturned in our state if we if we in Utah can see that this is not something good. If we're really looking to educate our kids, we need to educate our kids properly with everything, with all all points of view, just because somebody, you know, if you're mentioning that somebody is homosexual, that is not going to turn anybody homosexual. I remember when I was a kid, I read books about little trains, and I don't think that I am a little train, so I don't see why reading a book that informs me about what homosexuality is. I don't think that's
0: going to make me homosexual either. This law focuses on kindergarten through grade three. There, there are some concerns. There's some right. open-ended language that would allow the you know, state school board to uh, restrict discussion in higher grades. But, but uh, you know, uh, K through three. And uh, parents are saying, you know, we want to be the ones who discuss these issues in family. Um, what do you say to that?
3: You know, I, that is something that even here in Utah, whenever we were repealing, uh, and it was the year 2017, um, I remember there was a lot of pushback with, with very similar, um, with a very similar pushback. It was it, it was seen as uh, we, we should give the onus to the families, and that is absolutely true. Uh, there is... Uh, not every single family has that ability to educate their kids or like I'll give you the example for for me my my experiences is me and my mother we immigrated um, my mom was trying to make a living my, we were living in projects we we were just trying to stay alive and educating me on homosexual issues lesbian issues trans issues was the, the farthest thing from my parents' minds. Uh, and, and I think school can do such a good job in educating kids in a general manner. And, and we have seen this uh, already happen. Um, I, I think there's a lot of strides that we can actually do.
0: Just to have a couple of minutes, uh, I want to go back to your bio. You've worked uh, in uh, furthering DEI efforts for several companies and organizations. I wonder just uh, in a couple of minutes what you would say about those, um, those efforts and companies and organizations.
3: You know, our our biggest efforts was, I mean, and it mirrors a lot of what I do in in private consulting, is is we believe that a lot of people just don't have all of the information. We believe that the majority of people are not racist, are not phobic about any of these issues. They just have never really been exposed to it. And even in our state, in in Utah, we are a very homogenous community, and that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think one, th- one thing that we have seen from corporations, all- from Zion's Bank all the way down to a small coffee house and sugar house, Uh, you start seeing a change in people when you start arming them with knowledge. And it's not like a left point of view or a right point of view. It's just talking about people's lives and what people go through every day. You start seeing a change. And I believe in people here in Utah. I think they are good-hearted, kind people. Uh, That is why I did decide to make Utah my home even after I retired from the military, and that is why I do do all these DEI efforts, all these efforts in, po- in politics and policy. I want to see Utah get to a different place.
0: We'll reach the end of our hour here, uh, and we thank uh, Olivia Jaramillo, Director of Public Outreach at Equality Utah. I'm of the Equality Utah Transgender Advisory Council who's joined us. Uh, thank you so much.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's, it's, been, it's been great. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Earlier in the hour, we talked with the uh, the sponsor of House Bill 11. That's been our, our focus for the hour, Representative uh, Kara Berkland. We've also talked with uh, a co-sponsor, Representative Cheryl Acton. Uh, tomorrow in the program, we're going to do what we do periodically. We're going to create a community book list. We want to know what you're reading. So send us your list right now, uh, or you can send it to during the program tomorrow uh, through uh, our email, upraccess@gmail.com, at gmail.com, at gmail.com. And we'll be uh, taking your book lists uh, on the program tomorrow. And thanks for listening to the program today.